Hey guys, it's CS Joseph with csjoseph.life doing a new episode for season 22. This is uh, cognitive transitions for ESFJs and uh, doing something new, uh, bicycling right now with Railgun, my lovely bride. And uh, she bought me this bicycle, God bless her. Reminds me of my favorite bike I had when I was a little kid. It's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, it's, just, it's, a, it's a cruiser, so. I didn't realize I had a cruiser when I was little, but apparently uh, that's what it was. So, but anyway, taking a nice little stroll on the trail here uh, in town. It's pretty nice out, actually. Sun's going down, so I figured, hey, why not try and attempt to shoot a lecture while riding a bicycle? Because, I mean, if I'm going to shoot a lecture while driving, why can't I shoot a lecture while doing a bicycle? Maybe I'll shoot a lecture while jumping out of an airplane one time. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe I'll shoot a lecture while snowboarding. Who knows what else I can do while shooting a lecture. Maybe I'll take up skateboarding to see if I could shoot a lecture while skateboarding. That'll be awesome. Although, let's be frank, I'm really bad at skateboarding. So, but it is what it is. Also, my SE demon eagerly awaits to find out just how many people in this audience are going to be triggered by this video. <laughs> how many of you people are going to be dizzy? I have no idea. So we'll find out as we get there. But I'm not really going to have my eyes much on the camera for this one because I have to, like, obviously pay attention to what I'm doing. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes, you know. But hey, at least I have world-class uh, behind view of my wife as we do this. So I'm pretty excited either way. <laughs> Here's looking at you, beauty. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure she'll find out I said that when, uh, when she watches the lecture. Anyway, so moving on. Cognitive transitions for ESFJs. So just a little bit of review because these cognitive transition videos have been bringing in... Uh, a lot of new people to the channel recently. Just want to make sure they don't get like left behind. So remember, how do you identify an ESFJ? Look at their interaction style. They're informative, which means they're implicit with their language. Very indirect. They prefer to be indirect because they consider indirectness as, uh, which is kind of like a form of passion or a passive aggressive in your speech, beating around the bush. They do this because um, it's important for them to. Uh, be respectful and otherwise they'll just feel too guilty, right? They're initiating like to initiate with people all the time. Hey, what do you want? Or hey, how do you feel? They're constantly doing that all the time. It's like the ESFJ motto, Como esta usted? Like if they're, you know, speaking Castellano or Espanol. But uh, either way, that's basically their approach. And uh, it's not a bad approach. They're movement oriented, so they're focused on progress and making progress they don't care about having specific outcomes that they're looking at they more prefer to just kind of see what happens go with the flow kind of a thing it's all about progress or progression you know they can be working towards an outcome of some kind but getting to the outcome the goal is not as important as the journey that's movement right the journey is everything so from there we have uh guardian sj type uh, so they're past focused, very duty based. They always do their duty. I mean, if you ask a ESFJ like what they want, then you're just gonna get like this deer in the headlights uh, response. So, okay, yeah, it's a little weird, but 
it is what it is. Wow, I got a little bit of a bump here. Let's see uh, how I do. Yeah, cool. Pretty nice. It's kind of nice uh, biking around in town here, doing a lecture, kind of enjoying some uh, nice scenery and cool looking houses that I, uh, I will not own. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, they're guardians and uh, all about safety. You know what's interesting about ESFJs, like professionally speaking, a lot of them are into fire and rescue actually. Anything that has to do with fire and rescue, ESFJs are all about. And if you're looking for ESFJ men or uh, even in some, uh, mostly ESFJ men, just looking fire rescue. ESFJs are so traditional that even though you might find a female ESFJ who is a feminist, quite frankly, they're gonna stick to traditional gender roles because you know they're an SJ, right? And that's what SJs do. They stick to uh, traditional gender roles. So you can kind of understand, you know, like how an ESFJ with Effie Hero would kind of get a rush, a good experience from rescuing somebody. And uh, it's kind of why they're involved with fire and rescue, let's be straight. So beyond that, ESFJs, uh, temperament-wise, um, you know, very concrete, down-to-earth people. And, uh, you know, have a tendency to complain if they don't like things the way they are. Uh, but sometimes they feel too guilty to complain. But their version of complaining, whereas, like, the ISTJs is just straight-up direct complaining. But if an ESFJ complains, it's more of uh, an informative, implicit nagging. I mean, if you want to understand who is the most nagging of all the types, and it's an ESFJ. And this, this includes men, let's be honest. ESFJ men, they're nags. They're, like, they're all about nags, let's be honest. But not necessarily a bad thing because being a nag is actually what some types need in relationships, believe it or not. And SFPs, those are the types that need nags in their lives. So, you know, anyone starts complaining about nags or being a nag, well, guess what? SFPs are built for nags because SFPs forget and having someone who's nagging them instead of someone who's directly telling them they don't feel like with their FI hero that they're, or their FI parent that they're being violated or uncared for, etc. They actually kind of learn to appreciate the naggingness because the alternative, which is directly telling them what they have to do because they're being irresponsible, right? They'd rather the more respectful, indirect, passive aggressive route because honestly, SFPs can be pretty passive aggressive themselves. So they kind of like to have that opportunity um, to understand one or the other which is appropriate. So, and that's just kind of where that's at. Got a little bit of wind here. I wonder how the wind's gonna hold up for the uh, camera here, who knows? So, as we uh, change our trajectory here on our bicycles. So anyway, um, so yeah, in short, they're, they're extremely supportive people, very duty-based, um, you know, always there for you extremely caring the virtue and vice is care giving versus caretaking caretaking is their vice it's basically it's giving to get um or anytime they give to you they keep track of everything that they ever give to you mentally in your in their head and then every now and then they'll pull it out of them and be like hey i'm doing this for you so you owe me so you have to do this for me basically which is a form of covert contract which is a form of manipulation and whether or not esfjs realize they do this they all do it 
all ESFJs covert contract. Same thing with the ISFJs. In fact, all Crusader types actually uh, covert contract, which are SFJ, NCP types. They all do it. But the thing is, ESFJs do it the most, the absolute most. And uh, there's not really much that you can do about that per se. It's just It just comes with the territory. Now, obviously, the more mature ones covert contract less, but it still happens. You know, sometimes covert contracts are actually a good thing because it's kind of like a defense mechanism that helps them prevent themselves from becoming a doormat because ESFJs are extremely giving, one of the most giving of all the types. Um, FJ types are the most giving of all the types, I would say. So, um, and because they're so giving, uh, you know, they have a tendency to potentially give too much and then feel, and they, uh, you know, and especially the SFJs, they can get like insanely bitter. And ESFJs is no different. That bitterness is always there. And that bitterness can come out, like, especially when, like, they're not being listened to. Being listened to is such a big deal to these people. Although it's kind of funny because they spend so much time getting everyone else to listen to them, but they don't spend any time listening to others, which means, you know, they're actually inhibiting their own learning. So, yeah, think about that. ESFJ, they're like, hey, you need to listen to me because I'm insecure about whether or not I'm a smart person. So you better listen to me because that tells me that you actually value my thoughts. And if you value my thoughts, that means, well, that you care about me, right? It's like concrete proof to the ESFJ that you care about them if you listen to them. The problem is, is that sometimes that could get a little away from them. I mean, that could get way away from them. And they just spend so much time... In some cases, they're SE critic forcing others against their will to listen to them. And the ESFJ ends up getting so used to everyone listening to them with their SI parent because SI is all about habits and building habits. And they just end up having the habit, getting into the habit of everyone else listening to them. This is why it's not always a good thing for an SFJ or an ESFJ, especially in a family, to always know or to always have people that are compatible with them in a family. It's nice to have someone with high camaraderie because that person is just basically gonna not listen to them by default. And it keeps them healthy, it keeps them sharp. It keeps them from getting in this comfort zone, habitual nature where there's like, well, I have the habit of you listening to me all the time, which means we're just gonna do what I say and you have no choice to listen to me because what happens is that they stop learning. Because then they start to believe with their TED win that they're actually the smartest person in the room. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, and that, that has to do with the second gateway uh, for their cognitive transitions, but more on that in a second. So, but, uh, you know, they're concrete, like I said, and uh, uh, very affiliative, always focused on doing the right thing. They consider, uh, you know, family-oriented uh, situations to be like, hey, I'm doing the right thing and you know that's very important for them honestly when they're so focused on doing the right thing they can't like get anything done because it's like well I, I know what could work because they're trying to ultimately become pragmatic because as people grow they become more like their subconscious and the subconscious of the ESFJ is an INTP which is more pragmatic right well here's the issue though Sometimes they aren't, they're not really willing to sacrifice doing the right thing for the sake of doing what works. If they just do what works, it might actually get them some success in their life. But they're usually not willing to do that. And that can also be a, a serious problem for them. 
So yeah, it's just not, uh, it's just not ideal. I think I'm doing pretty decent with this bike riding, all things considered. Let's cross the street real quick. Move into the next thing. Cool. Awesome. So yeah, but yeah, it's all about, like they're so sensitive about being listened to because that's really how they feed their ego. Their effy hero feels validated when you're listening to them because then they could feel like the smartest person in the room and that's all they really want to do. They just want to feel like the smartest person in the room. The problem is it could be at everyone else's expense and that's kind of the ESFJ way about it, right? So yeah, um, so yeah, they're very affiliative, all about doing the right thing. It's kind of why they're so super caring. But then again, both Effie heroes are very affiliative. In our last episode in this lecture series, it's like, okay, yeah, ENFJs, they're affiliative too. And ENFJs kind of have the same need of being listened to. The difference is, is that ESFJs have a huge advantage over ENFJs because ESFJs have super high long-term memory access with their uh, access with their uh, SI parent because they can remember everything in the past and it's also funny ESFJ statistically have the longest lifespans of all the types that's also an interesting standpoint to consider I have mentioned that before but just wanted to bring it up again they remember everything so well that over time even an ESFJ can remember when they haven't listened to somebody and then it's kind of bit them in the butt right so that's a thing and that would be uh you know something of risk right for an ESFJ to you know keep track of and be worried about so anyway oh cute German Shepherd so um moving on um So cognitive functions and, uh, you know, they're the FE hero, SI parent, any child, uh, TI inferior, um, and then FE nem or, uh, FI nemesis, uh, worried about how they feel, etc. But nemesis is also known as the ally. So it could be like the enemy or the villain turning into ally over time as they grow. And then they have the critic function, which is extroverted sensing. And then their trickster is introvert intuition, which is what they want personally for themselves. And then their TE demon. Okay, that's their function stack. And uh, beyond that, you know, they're also really systematic. They, they follow a system. Gosh, I'm just all over the place in this lecture for some reason, but it's because this is like super new and I'm trying to like multitask, but I do better work when I multitask like this. Actually, it's just NE hero. I have to be doing multiple things at the same time to really get the most insight out. It's just how it works. I can't plan everything. If you guys want me to plan everything, then the quality of everything I do is just gonna go down, let's be honest. And that's a fact. You know, a lot of people don't realize that, but it is what it is. I think ESFJs would agree with me, or other Crusader types would agree with me on that. Um, but uh, probably more so uh, INTPs, honestly. So yeah. So uh, cognitive transitions. So why do we care about cognitive transitions? Well, the four sides of the mind really matter. And, you know, that's kind of where we're different from everyone else. Everyone thinks that this is just like some MBTI like YouTube channel, but like it's not. I, I use the MBTI letters because it's good SEO. That's the only reason. Otherwise, I could care less about the MBTI letter dichotomies. I even have a video about how that was debunked. So pay attention to that if you want. Um, but yeah, like honestly, it's not really that big of a deal. 
what we talked about here is four sides of the mind, four sides theory. Four sides of the mind is that, you know, you have an ego, you have a subconscious, you have a shadow, aka the unconscious, and a superego. Superego is where a person's evil human condition comes from. The ego is like their primary mode of thinking and feeling and decision making. Their subconscious is the kind of person they're trying to aspire to become. And their unconscious uh, is how, you know, someone gains wisdom uh, in their life and become a more, uh, to unlock their personal maturity, basically. Uh, but personal happiness, because of the person that you're aspiring to become, that's more of your subconscious, right? So you have these four sides, but throughout your life, you know, as a child develops, you know, they, they start off with, you know, certain cognitive functions within their cognitive development. You know, the hero forms first, followed by the inner child, and then uh, the inferior forms after that, uh, and then uh, the parent forms. And the parent function, which is introverted sensing, some people call it the auxiliary function within ESFJs. It is the final function to form in the ego. And honestly, uh, I mean, you're supposed to have that completely formed by the time you're an adolescent, but a lot of people out there end up uh, in what's called cognitive loops. Dave Superpowers talks about cognitive loops a lot in his channel. I was, uh, I learned cognitive loops from my mentor years ago. But uh, cognitive loop, basically, I mean, Dave Superpowers doesn't have this definition, but my definition of cognitive loops is basically when your parent function is underdeveloped, your child and your hero function, because they're optimistic functions and they don't have that healthy pessimism or cynicism from the parent function, what happens is that the FE hero and the uh, um, NE child basically goes off on a rampage together. So, and this creates an ESFJ who is the ultimate doormat so that by the time their SI parent function actually develops they're bitter AF I mean if you want to know the most bitter person in the world you, you look at an ESFJ who doesn't have their parent function developed it's because the parent function provides an ESFJ self-discipline they need that self-discipline they severely need it because if they don't have self-discipline they're just gonna focus on giving everybody what they want with their any child and making everyone feel good with their effie hero. Feel good, you need to feel good. And I'm gonna give you what you want and you get a car 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 and everyone gets cars. You see what I'm saying? But then they get like nothing in return, right? Because they're also systematic. ESFJs are focused on do the, the best way of doing things, right? They're really focused on the doing things the best way or finding the best method on how to do it, right? And that's not that's not really the best. If they were interest-based, they could just look at someone and be like, okay, this is what I'm getting out of the situation. This is what you're getting out of the situation. Uh, oh, you're getting more out of it than I am? Well, that means you're automatically manipulating me. Um, and uh, honestly, that needs to be avoided. But you know, ESFJs, they have to develop a self-discipline within themselves ultimately to, gotta turn around here. Um, they have to develop the, uh, the self-discipline to understand that, hey, whenever I encounter somebody new or old or someone they're familiar with, they always have to, through self-discipline, ask themselves the question, hey, what is this person getting out of this? And versus what am I getting out of it? Is it the same? Am I getting more out of it? Or if they're getting less out of it than the other person, well, then they realize they're being manipulated. 
then they got to use their TI and Fury or not be afraid and tell the truth and expose that to the other person. But it's so hard for them to do because they're so informative and they're so systematic. So to develop that sense of personal responsibility within SI parents is actually extremely difficult, right? Like it's very difficult. So an ESFJ has to trial and error their way through life consistently and make error after error after error and have people take advantage of them over and over and over them for them to finally get over their SJ normalcy bias for them to change, you know? And that's absolutely necessary. But this all goes beyond that. When you look at that four sides of mind, that's like the big challenge of the ego, but there's other challenges on the other sides of mind. And I'm not gonna get into those challenges because that's more season 19 con content. This is season 22. If you wanna learn more about season 19, go to csjoseph.life forward slash Patreon. There's a huge menu of all of our content that we offer there. You can check that out there. Now, when it comes to ESFJs specifically though, try and understand that, you know, with, they have four sides of the mind. Everyone is trying to, you know, develop their subconscious, develop their, um, their unconscious. And because of that, people transition. How or why do people transition? There's a lot of different ways for it. So one way, um, if you look at their transition of subconscious, that's based on fear. It's all about fear, right? Or it's about aspiration. There's a positive or negative transition. So remember, you can enter into one of your sides of your mind either chaotically or orderly. You can enter your side of the mind, any side of the mind with the power of the yin, like, you know, yin and yang, right? Or the power of the yang. The yang is about the firm, the orderly, uh, whereas the yin is all about chaos. Kind of like a bottle of water going ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk versus a nice constant stream of water coming out of that bottle because there's enough air inside of it. It's coming out in an orderly manner, right? So it's not, the air and the water is not competing for three-dimensional space within the bottle, right? It's the same concept with cognitive transition. The absolute same concept. So anyway, so you have four gateways. How do you mechanically transition? Well, you transition in the ego with your hero function, but that's basically default because that's what's given to you as a child, right? Then you transfer into your subconscious with the second gateway, which is your inferior function, which is TI inferior or logic or thinking, one's own thinking. That's for an ESFJ, right? So then beyond that, you have the third gateway, which is introverted feeling nemesis, right? And then you have the fourth gateway, which is their extroverted thinking demon to get into their super ego. Um, and obviously there's different ways of going it, but each transition has an orderly transition versus a chaotic transition. You know, it is what it is. It's just how it works. But what causes the transitions? Well, honestly, stress, fear, worry, uh, also someone being disrespected. Those are the negative causes and that can cause like a chaotic transition. Um, and then there's positive things, which could be uh, a self-actualization for your ego, uh, which would be like receiving recognition, ESFJ, because they love them some recognition. The FE hero loves it when other people venerate them for their good contributions for being so supportive, right? That's really important. That's super important. 
but these are the different kinds of transitions that they have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Because honestly, you know, unlike what other people would teach, maybe with the MBTI, it's like, hey, you can only be this one type. There is no such thing as the four sides of the mind. That's just all it is, right? You're this type and that's all you get, you know? Well, that's not true because our brains, the way it works is there's no such thing as a one size fits all solution. There's just no such thing. There is no one size fits all solution. One brain cannot solve every problem that a human being can encounter. One persona or personality cannot solve it all. So the mind has secondary and tertiary processes to shift its cognition in such a way to be able to solve various problems. That's what it does naturally. But it can also, it's not just used for solving problems, it's also used for personal growth, right? Again, more on that in season 19 for ESFJs. That lecture is already done. The first nine episodes of season 19 are done. I still have eight more to go. So, with that being said, ESFJs, you know, have to trans have to transition, you know, into their subconscious, right? Well, they're already transitioning to their ego because they're just be kind of given that one for free by default. Congratulations, you were born, right? You, you won the, co the great cosmic lottery, you know what I mean? So that cosmic lottery, that's pretty important. People gotta know how that works, right? Well, anyway, gonna, gonna turn around here. There's too much noise over there. I don't want you guys to be able to hear me. So I'm not exactly wearing a microphone right now. So, also, welcome to California. This is how it is down here. Um, so, anyway. So, how, how would an ESFJ go about being happier? Well, they have to transition and learn how to transition to subconscious. But then again, their fear can also get them there as well. So let's look at that. Let's look at the, the first, uh, or the, well, the second transition technically. So we already talked plenty about the ego in this lecture so far. So the subconscious, which is INTP subconscious. INTP, they're brilliant. INTPs are brilliant. They're probably the most brilliant, or the second most brilliant of all the types. I personally maintain the INFP is actually the most brilliant of all the types, especially with how they can absorb information rapidly and create a pattern and a system around it and then essentially regurgitate that information with like this internal philosopher's stone slash library of alexandria that's like an i win button for everybody and uh i think that's pretty awesome intp they can create solutions they can engineer any solution and being able to do that requires some insane brain power and let's be honest there's some esfjs out there that are brilliant physicists there's some ESFJs out there that are brilliant engineers. They're probably the ESFJs that grew up, you know, being picked last and not able to be chosen or fit enough to be in the military or in fire and rescue and the like. So they decided to devote their lives to science, especially since they're so insecure about people listening to them. And they figure, well, if people are gonna value hearing me and hearing my voice, because that's what my sister does. She's an ESFJ. She's always talking about how her ISFP husband gives her a voice all the time, you know, and how that's so important to her, that, that her voice is so important to her because it's just concrete proof that 
her ISFP husband is going to listen to her. Of course he would. He's got TE Inferior. TE Inferior listens to everybody intently. Um, it's just, it itself is not always going to express their opinion. But then again, you know, uh, the ESFJ is constantly asking the ISFP, hey, how do you feel about this or what's your opinion? And then the ESFJ can get that additional input and make better decisions. That's when an ESFJ is healthy, when they're willing to actually listen to others. But sometimes they get so afraid that no one's listening to them that they stop listening to others entirely. And in fact, they can get so bitter with their introverted sensing because no one has listened to them before. Everyone around them feels that they're stupid and treats them like they're stupid that they just automatically assume that everyone around them is not going to listen to them. So what they do is they use their SJ affiliative forcefulness and force other people to listen to them, even if they're wrong. And they don't care they're wrong. They're just going to like stick their boot on someone's neck and force that person to listen to them. And then they may not even give that person the opportunity to provide feedback to what they've just said, which is also another issue. And that's when you get like a, a hyper insecure TI inferior uh, ESFJ because they're just really afraid of not being listened to. And then they use their SE critic, their shadow to like force other people to listen to them. And they're just afraid. And you know, you can actually really force that out of an ESFJ by telling the ESFJ to their face that they're stupid. You literally treat them like they're stupid and that's not appropriate. Cute dog. So. Be aware of that. We can't just, you know, you gotta be careful around ESFJs. You have to always listen to them, even if you think they're wrong. But you can tell a healthy ESFJ from an unhealthy one, because when they're telling you what they think, if they're not gonna spend any time listening to you and they would just prefer to be in their comfort zone and keep their head in the sand, that's a problem. And it's really frustrating when these people are like, you better listen to me. You don't value me unless you listen to me. Well, that can also be another issue entirely. And that's not something anyone wants, not at all. But it's not that they know that. But then again, that's one of the fastest ways for an ESFJ to feel unwanted anyway, is they just constantly sharing what they think with everybody and expecting everyone to listen because they're so afraid of feeling that they are stupid, right? Now, a healthy transition, an orderly transition looks a little bit different. It's more like, okay, yeah, I, they're, they're, they are the ESFJ who has an open mind. And that's how they use their INTP side. Because if they don't have an open mind, wow, I just swallowed a bug. That's really fantastic. Amazing. Um, so an ESFJ, when, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how I would just randomly spit on my own deck while filming, right? And I probably grossed out all the ESFJs when I did that, right? If you guys remember from season one, or is it season two that I did that? I don't remember. Not relevant to this lecture. Anyway, so, <coughs> glad I didn't choke on that bug. I'm really glad I didn't choke on it. Could've. So anyway, I might start coughing, who knows? We'll see how it goes. So ESFJs, when they're healthy, they have an open mind. That where that INTP is not like forcing other people to listen to, I'm smarter than you. And they actually have an open mind and they're listening to other people. That's super important, having that open mind. Because the SI parent is in there and if it's not really well developed, 
it's only going to accept input from known sources it's only, or, or sources that they're familiar with. Any unfamiliar ideas, they're not going to care about. But INTP subconscious is all about the unfamiliar. The, the better, more happier, more developed, more mature ESFJ is open to new ideas. They don't have their head in the sand, which is what I accuse them of consistently. I accuse them all the time of having their head in the sand. And that could be a problem. So try not to, uh, try not to do that ESFJs. Don't have your head in the sand. You have to have an open mind. You will never be happy unless you're an open mind. If you're always focused on what's familiar, well, guess what? Familiarity breeds contempt. And if you're allowing yourself to breed contempt in your own mind, you're gonna hold other people in contempt. And then guess what? They're gonna mirror you, especially if they're SPs, and hold you in contempt because you're not willing to experience the unfamiliar. Because it's all about your safety, all about your comfort zone at the same time. You have to embrace new ideas. You have to embrace unfamiliar ideas unfamiliarity is the secret unfamiliar ideas are the secret to esfj success as a person especially getting those healthy cognitive transitions developing that intp subconscious which literally leads to esfj brilliance but how can it go wrong let's give you an actual example of somebody i know enter the intp known as dave 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 is a great dude he's an intp he worked for the hospital conglomerate I used to work for. Fantastic fellow, uh, an amazing VMware uh, developer. He worked in security, although for some reason he was not doing security because when they hired him, they hired him for security, but he couldn't do security because they didn't have anyone to handle infrastructure. So he ended up getting stuck doing all the infrastructure work, even though that wasn't his job description. All the while that happened, he's married to an ESFJ. And okay, you can already see where this is going, right? Because INTP ESFJ relationships are like the worst. So they got together and they got married. He was in the military at the time, got out of the military, went to engineering, did fantastic. But let me tell you something about this ESFJ wife of his. She thought she was so brilliant. She thought she was the smartest person in the world. She'd take her little affiliative master's degree and be like, I'm so smart because I completed this and you know, I'm literally better than everybody else. And it's like, I'm smarter than everybody else. I don't have to listen to you. You don't have a master's degree. I don't have to listen to you. And I'm like, wow, really? Your credentials mean nothing. I was so tempted so many times to just tell her that she was stupid to her face because I'm like, wow, what value do you actually have? You're so close-minded. You're literally one of those people who goes to school, goes to college, gets a job, and then you stop growing because you think you've made it. You got your master's degree. You don't have to learn anymore. Wow. You're not willing to accept unfamiliar ideas. Wow. Okay, thank you for having your head in the sand. That's really appropriate. You know what I'm saying? So, so that's a problem, right? That's a serious problem. You know, we can't allow ourselves to be, we can't allow our ESFJs to be that ignorant. And let's be honest, TI inferior can be really ignorant, or yeah, it can be really ignorant. ESFJs, they can be like, <laughs> walking ignorance boosters, making other people ignorant around them because they start enforcing ignorance because of those unfamiliar ideas that threatens their personal safety or threatens their familiarity or threatens their comfort zone, right? This could be a serious problem for them. And they're just really not really aware of it. It's like really frustrating, right? So yeah, like what do you do in that situation? Well, 
to go on. Their relationship didn't go very well, and he kept on trying to bring new ideas to her. It threatened her familiarity. She felt unsafe. And then she just went S.E. Rage with her ISFP shadow and then physical confrontation. I remember taking photos of him that had bruises. And it's like, wow, Mr. INTP, you got such more normalcy bias that you don't even realize that it's not okay for your wife to beat you or your children. Maybe you should divorce her. Thank God, through an intervention of all of his friends, he got to the point where he did divorce her and he's better off for it. God bless him, he figured it out. But that's just how far the normalcy bias and the familiarity complex can go within crusader types, ESFJs and INTPs, that doormat effect. And the thing that he was accusing her, he was kind of guilty of himself because he wasn't willing to let go. But I'm glad he figured it out. Anyway, the divorce, I imagine, opened her up and forced her to be in a situation where she'd have to accept new ideas. Or, because of how bitter she is in her life, maybe she ended up having to further, you know, go into her turtle shell, and then as a result of being in her turtle shell, not actually succumb to new ideas or unfamiliar ideas. And stuck on that unfamiliarity and let that contempt breed within her that bitterness breed within her forever are you kidding me like that's like that's horrible but that's the life these esfjs these ignorant head in the sand esfjs live they're so bitter and they don't even know it and the best thing that could happen to them is someone coming up to them and telling them to their face you're ignorant you're being stupid because you will not embrace new ideas and you think you got everything figured out but you don't. So what you have to do at that point to an ESFJ who's that way? Well, you have to abandon them. You have to make them feel unwanted. You have to make sure that they know that no one values their thinking. No one is going to listen to them and no one wants them. And only then will they consider that maybe their thinking needs to change if they're that bad. If they're good, it's not really a problem because then they're telling you about all these new ideas that they're, that they're having and they actually go experiment and they become like this amazing, brilliant scientist, which is pretty awesome. Um, there's some really cool uh, ESFJ astrophysicists that work for NASA, for example. They're just amazing, fantastic uh, people and uh, the mathematics that they do. INTP-focused ESFJs, folks, they are amazing. I absolutely love hanging out with them and just listening to that TI aspirational ideas. It's really unbelievable. I, I think it's fantastic. So beyond that, let's look in the shadow. So the third uh, cognitive transition, the nemesis transition, this is where an ESFJ worries about their self-worth. They worry about how worthy they are. So already they're afraid of being stupid. They're afraid that they don't know enough. They're afraid that uh, their intelligence may be lacking or they're afraid that uh, you know they can't contribute enough to a conversation intelligently. So they end up just staying silent and in the background in a conversation until they're comfortable enough to know that they can actually contribute, right? Well, that can be a problem too. But beyond that, they're already worried about their self-worth. They don't know whether or not they're doing a good job and a good job is something that they need to consider. Doing a good job is important, so they need recognition, folks. 
but sometimes they're not going to get that recognition. And that could be a serious problem for some ESFJs out there. It's a little bumpy right now, so going down a hill, trying to, uh, trying to go a little safe because I haven't been down it before, SI Inferior, you know what I'm saying? And I got it the rest of the way. Cool. So, awesome. And there's still plenty of light. I really like this iPhone camera. It's pretty nice. It's got light amplification. I think it's awesome. So, anyway. So, yeah, they're worried about their self-worth. And that could be a serious problem uh, for them. Because it causes them to care more and care more and care more. But at the, at, the, at the risk of being a doormat. And honestly, people, stop doormatting ESFJs. I am guilty of doormatting ESFJs. I doormatted my sister. I'll admit it. I did that as a little kid. I shouldn't have. I also doormatted my, my ESFJ grandmother. Really bad idea. I remember the last time I actually did it. My mom caught me. And, oh, she laid down the smackdown for that one. I regret it. I didn't even realize just how manipulative I was being and you know, taking advantage of my ESFJ grandmother. I did, as a little kid, I didn't even realize it. And then, all of a sudden, I came to the realization and my effie child just felt so guilty. I was so insanely guilty as a result of that, that situation. I never treated my grandmother the same ever again. Uh, you know, and whenever I visit her, I always go out of my way to like spend the time listening to her, even if, you know, I'm not even interested in what she's saying or even if I don't agree with her thinking. But sometimes I like to have some verbal intellectual sparring with her. It makes her feel valued when I challenge some of her ideas, but not too much and see her, you know, embrace unfamiliar ideas because otherwise she's gonna get all of her ideas from CNN because that's what I've noticed that she does. Especially with those people in her circle of friends within her age group, they seem to all be glued to the television and talking about current events all the time. And a lot of them are SJs because they have long lifespans and they all are you know, talking about that familiar media, right? So they end up becoming this big regurgitating echo chamber and unfamiliar ideas are just not really something my grandmother's exposed to. So her growth is being stunted as a result of this echo chamber. So I try to like go out of my way to bring her out of that echo chamber sometimes and bring unfamiliar ideas to her uh, consistently whenever possible when I see her. Although she's been having some stroke related problems which haven't been that great. And uh, she had some medication problem recently to put her in the hospital. So. I am concerned that uh, she won't be with us for very much longer, but she's like, she's like, she's not, she's knocking on 90 years old at this point. So, and, uh, but she's a fighter. She's still in there. Also, you know, she's former central intelligence, so she's pretty tough. Let's be honest. Um, but, you know, honestly, uh, it's just, she doesn't always have the opportunity to have those new ideas or those new experiences or those new people. And that's one of the things I get really concerned about. But one of the things though, is that she worries about her self-worth. And this causes my grandmother as a member of our family to go above and beyond consistently. And it's funny, like watching her Effie Hero combat the Effie Hero of my father, because she lives with my, my mom and dad. And my dad's an ENFJ and she's an ESFJ. And like, they, 
let's be honest, they got some camaraderie there going. And honestly, it's healthy for the both of them because it keeps them both sharp. But they can get at each other's throats. And when my dad, let's be honest, when he gets like super upset at my grandmother, just to get back at my grandmother, what she, what he does is he just does the dishes because she typically does the dishes. So he takes away opportunities from her to contribute to the family and it makes her feel guilty. It makes her feel worthless, basically. And that's how he gets back at her. It's kind of interesting to watch, honestly. But yeah, if you want to get back at an ESFJ, that's what you do. You just be like, hey, I'm going to start doing your things, your responsibilities around the house and take away your opportunity to contribute. That way you already worry about your self-worth and then you're going to worry about it even more. And then that forces her, my grandmother deep into her shadow, you know? Sometimes, you know, according to my you know, dad's point of view, he's pretty justified because of what my grandmother does because, you know, enforcing ignorance, which is what ESFJs can do sometimes. He's just not having it. He's an intuitive. He's abstract. She's trying to keep him in concrete land and not letting him have the freedom of choice in abstract land because that's what SE Credit can do. SE Credit can get in the way of other people, of abstract people and force people to be in the concrete against their will. And that doesn't, uh, that doesn't really bode well for them. And this especially happens when it comes to, you know, their, their ISFP shadow, because it's like, oh, I'm worried about my self-worth. I'm worried that I'm contributing enough. I'm worried that I'm a good person, you know, and when they don't really have, you know, much proof as to whether or not they are a good person. But it's weird because it gets especially bad at ENFJs because they forget at least ESFJs have the opportunity to remember all of their previous contributions. But if they don't get enough recognition, they use those past contributions as weapons against people. And that's, this is where the covert contracting comes from. They'll start covert contracting people and being like, hey, I've scratched your back all this time. You better scratch mine. I've wiped your butt so many times. You better wipe mine. Kind of a, kind of a situation. And I guess, you know... In an elderly situation, okay, you know, it's probably inappropriate, but you see where I'm going with this? Like, ESFJs, they really want to have an opportunity to feel special. That's what FI Nemesis is all about, feeling special. And they have concrete proof of being special themselves when people give them recognition, when people show them gratitude and thanks, and it helps them get over their worry. And then they're no longer worried because they are surrounded by people and by reminders all the time uh, who do nice things for them because they're showing gratitude. ESFJs need gratitude. And when they're getting enough gratitude, they're no longer worried about their self-worth. So instead, they're really wise. They become very wise. They become extremely mature. And they are no longer worried about their self-worth. They're actually properly valuing themselves. And they know that, hey, I have all the concrete proof in the world that I'm a good person because I have all these people showing me gratitude. Okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. So then they have a healthier transition into their shadow, which allows them to be ultimately more artistic. They can put on a better show. They can contribute in more meaningful ways. Um, like, uh, I don't know, even uh, like just... Like even, even the simple things of life, you know, uh, making sure everything is in a clean, safe environment for everyone, watching over children, uh, saving people, like their physical capability goes through the roof if they know people are grateful for their contributions. If people are ungrateful around them, well, 
then they're going to be constantly worried that they're a bad person and then as a result they're not their their growth is stunted and they're not going to be able to you know wisely handle the environment you see esfjs who are like hoarders or you see esfjs who are um or just who don't take care of themselves it's because they're not there's not really anyone who's grateful uh for them and expressing gratitude is so critical to esfj health they absolutely need that gratitude so for you know their personal growth they have to remind people sometimes hey be grateful this is why they covert contract but here's the thing they just have to be overt and contract overtly not covertly because covert is well that is the manipulative way but when they when they give things to people you know they can care give at first yeah i'm caregiving for you i'm giving to you i'm contributing to you but then they're like hey you know in order for me to keep contributing to you i'd really like you to do this thing for me you know and that way it's overt that way it's communicated that way it's understood right and then the esfj doesn't have to worry about it anymore the esfj understands their own value and uh because they know that they're getting something in return which is really important but sometimes if you think about it they feel really bad that they even have to ask because let's let me let me be honest crusader pride is all over the place crusaders get super prideful because they're like well if i'm complaining that must i mean i must not be doing a good job anyway you know it's like okay yeah fair enough but sometimes you know as uh my mother-in-law would say uh closed mouths don't get fed esfjs honestly have to be okay with complaining and sometimes you know not being so indirect about it but actually being direct about it that way they actually get something done you know because sometimes people aren't listening or they just don't know how to listen and that ti and fear can't be steamrolling people like it always does they have to keep that in check through self-discipline with their parent that's why ESFJs need self-discipline so much. It's absolutely critical to their self-worth, to their personal growth, all of it. So with that being said, ISFP unconscious can be very powerful. They take care of themselves. They create an orderly, safe uh, environment. They become very skilled at making food, uh, handling the house, cleaning the house. Uh, keeping all their obligations, uh, making sure other people around them are meeting their obligations, managing the family, rescuing people that need to be rescued. All of a sudden, that ESFJ cares more. If you want an ESFJ to start caring less, well, guess what? Don't show them any gratitude. Because if there's ungrateful people, then why should they care? That's like the the INTP version of that is, is, hey, if I'm going to do the time, I may as well do the crime. Whereas the ESFJ version is, why should I care if no one else cares? Right? So you have to be grateful to them. It helps them transition in their shadow. And their shadow will actually take care of you because the home, the family, the traditions, the new ideas, everything that they do, even engineering from their INTP side, it becomes a piece of art and they can make it an artful experience for everyone. And then it's no longer about their experience. It's about everyone's experience. If they're not worried about their self-worth and they'll stop covert contracting, they will make their expectations known because then they are able to meet their own needs. We talk about 
you know, in season six playlist on this YouTube channel, hey, by the way, you have to take responsibility for meeting your own needs. This is how ESFJs do it. They just need gratitude. Now an ESFJ has to recognize you're not always gonna have grateful people around. If people are being ungrateful to you, ESFJs, stop being loyal to them. Stop being obligated to them. Abandon those people, it's okay. ESFJs, you have every right to abandon people who are ungrateful for the things that you do. You are a caregiver. If you're giving care to someone and they're ungrateful, stop giving to them. It's not that hard and move on. And then stop feeling guilty about it. If you keep feeling guilty, you're gonna keep worrying about your self-worth because then you're gonna start believing that that person is actually better than you and that, well, maybe I'm not doing a good enough job. Maybe I'm not caregiving enough. And then you give even more, which will add to even more bitterness. And then you just it's just gonna be horrible for you. Like, why would you do this to yourself? You can't. You have to know when to let go. ESFJs, you need to read the book, When uh, Codependent No More or When Helping Hurts, those kinds of things, because you can be an enabler. I've watched my ESFJ grandmother enable my ENFP uncle. My ENFP uncle who often does not deserve the kindness that she gives him. And he strings her along almost coquettish-like with gratitude. He'll give her a little bit of gratitude here and there just to keep her, just to keep her going. And then sometimes, you know, uh, he can be pretty depraved and selfish and she just buys into it because every now and then he'll leave her with some gratitude because she's not getting enough gratitude from other sources, right? Which is typical of ESFJs everywhere. So, you know, so I go out of my way. I try to show gratitude when I'm around her, you know, but the thing is also like, even at her age, she needs to be around she needs to be around people who show her gratitude, but she also needs to be put in situations where she has the opportunity to contribute and then being given gratitude for those contributions that she does. They're all about opportunities. You know, an ISFP or unconscious, they're gonna end up wanting the wrong thing because of NI trickster. You don't wanna get them in a situation where they want to contribute to the wrong person because ESFJs can develop Stockholm Syndrome in as, in as much as an ENTP could because they could just become loyal to the wrong people. So you have to step in and you have to criticize them. You have to tell them, hey, I don't believe it's a good thing for you to be supporting this person. I don't think it's a good thing for you to be caregiving this person. They're not gonna give you gratitude. They're not gonna give you what you're hoping for. Why are you putting your faith in this person? They have a track record of never actually giving back. They never are grateful. There's no concrete evidence of gratitude. And then they're like, you know what? You're right. Why do I even bother? And then they stop and then they can become loyal to somebody else. They always just gotta be loyal to something. It's one of the reasons why ESFJs are in churches a lot because it's a system and they're systematic and they can be loyal to it. The problem is, is that if the church or the religious belief system becomes corrupt or the leaders become corrupt, they will go corrupt with it and then they will enforce the, the ignorant ideas of that system and much to the detriment of people in their lives and their family, you know? which I, I, I completely understand. I do understand it, but it's not, it's definitely not something uh, I would, uh, I could really get behind. So, so yeah, that's, that's that transition. And the final transition is the, uh, the demon transition with the superego, which basically is, it comes out negatively when they're not being listened to, like I talked about. When they're not being listened to that way, but for them is that they're gonna force other people to listen. They will take charge. It's like, hey, if you're not being grateful to me, 
If you're not listening to me, well, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to destroy your reputation. And if you want to know an ESFJ, they will destroy your reputation. Absolutely. Everyone will know how ungrateful a person, how selfish of a person, how depraved a person you really are. And, the, and you, you know where the adage comes from, you'll never work in this town again. Well, that's because of ESFJs. You'll never work in that town again because of them. Because their TE demon will literally burn all of the bridges in your life. They will burn all your bridges down. Uh, quote, I'm going to destroy your life before you do. Right? Because that's how it works. Because you either didn't listen or you were ungrateful. And, you know, that's what happens. So that can be a problem. That's the kind of a very negative way of doing it. However... If you're making sure that you're listening to them, if you're showing gratitude, if you're handling all those things, they end up actually increasing everyone's reputation, everyone's status around them for their own, uh, for those people's benefit, not necessarily their own, which is the angelic form, but more on that in season 19. So anyway, folks, I think this uh, completes the cognitive transitions for ESFJs. I know I was a little uh, chaotic, a little scattered around, but I was trying to like pay attention to what I'm doing here on this bicycle. I'm really enjoying this ride, and uh, I think I kind of got the hang of it now, and I figured out how to get into a flow state so to be able to lecture like this. So it's my first time doing this, so we'll figure out how to do that, and uh, I'm glad to uh, have this opportunity to lecture like this and exercise at the same time. So anyway, uh, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, and enlightening, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. Also check us out at our podcast, csjoseph.life forward slash podcast. If you'd like to financially contribute to what we're doing uh, and get a whole bunch of awesome uh, premium content for it, including our question and answer, private lectures, the like, uh, conferences for cutting edge material that's just not out yet, that is basically available at csjoseph.life forward slash Patreon. If you want to get into figuring out how to sell to people, how to market to people, go to ultimatemessagingformula.com as well. So... Thank you all for your support. Thank you for being such an amazing audience. I love the comments, guys. Keep them coming. Please comment, like. I read every single comment. So, and uh, it's kind of interesting that it's pitch black. And uh, and thank you for uh, putting up with this kind of a slow lecture. But hey, just trying something new here and uh, trying to get it figured out. So, I uh, I'm very grateful for uh, all of your patience. So, anyway, with that being said, folks, uh, you all have a good night. As I enter the uh, continued pitch blackness here. So, later.